Salam and welcome to Mecca Collective. Today we're in conversation with Muslim entrepreneur Dr. Scott Fraser to explore his entrepreneurial journey. Dr. Scott Fraser is a formerly trained biophysical chemist and founder of Fraser's Medical, which helps pre-med students essentially get into medical school, and has also been involved in a number of startups, including Heidi Health, which seeks to modernize the way medical professionals and institutions interact with their patients. Thank you so much, Scott, for joining us today. Welcome, man. Thanks very much for having us, Awesome. So to start off with, it would be great to get a little bit of an elevator pitch into what Fraser's Medical is. So could you give us um, a 10 second elevator pitch of what your business is? The, the goal of Fraser's Medical is to help students reach their uh, goals for their uh, medical or medical health aligned career. And we also want to do that in a way that not only helps them pass tests or what have you, but also becomes a very uh, conscious, socially uh, um, and societally uh, impactful individual in that career so that we can uh, better the, the medical community through uh, exceptional candidates. Awesome. Um, and over the past few years, Fraser's has been growing quite exponentially, I would say. It started off, it, it seems, just uh, with a handful of people and now from the recent stats that i saw was as of 2021 it was about 3000 uh gamsat students that went through um uh phrases but of course you not only do uh gamsat tuition rights you do a number of other things as well could you maybe touch on those uh points yeah yeah so the, the 3000 students isn't um just the gamsat students it's it's all of the students that we have per annum but it's still a a, a big uh, level of growth from, uh, I guess, our humble beginnings. And then Fraser sort of started off as a bit of, bit of an alternative indie uh, GAMSAT tutoring provider. And, and that was sort of what we were known for. We were known for our people and whatnot. We've done our best to, to stay true to that. But we uh, also saw that there was a, a need to help students as they continued on that journey. So uh, naturally, we evolved into helping students with their interview programs. And I think uh, Dr. Tom Kelly was pretty instrumental in that. Uh, he was sort of one of our early tutors who also had a real passion for this. And we encouraged him to sort of help and develop that aspect of the business. Then we found out you know, we were just getting so many questions from people when the UMAT became the UCAT. Mm. Can, you, can you help us with that? And we then launched Fraser's UCAT to, to help with that. And then we realized that, you know, we shouldn't be operating these businesses as silos. The student journey is a, a continuous journey. It's, sometimes it's linear, but sometimes it's it's tortuous. And yeah, Fraser's Medical is really the the umbrella that that sort of covers all of those different businesses and all of those dis different aspects of the journeys. And now we also consult for students to help them if they do want to sort of study overseas. Oh wow! Or they do want to do want to pivot, and they they maybe they've started down this pathway, but now they're looking at you know, maybe it's going into tech, maybe it's it's going into you know mechatronics and bionics. Uh, either way, we just want to help people get into careers where they're they're happy and they feel that they can uh, be the best that they can be. Excellent. And initially, when you started off. How did it look like? So um, what was the initial motivation and how did you get started with this business to begin with? Yeah, yeah. Very, very humble. So I, I'd always done tutoring 
even when I was in high school, still studying my, myself, uh, tutoring younger students. So it's something I really enjoyed and I'd, I'd always kept it as my side hustle as I was going through my own formative studies. When I was in my honours year, I was also lecturing uh, at Melbourne Uni and tutoring uh, as well. And, and a few of the students who were sort of my students in the the subjects uh, for biomedical science and whatnot said that they were preparing for the GAMSAT and that they wanted some help um, and yeah, helped them. They did well. Uh, following year, they told some friends, so it yeah, kind of just grew. Um, but after that, I I found that my students, they weren't all getting in. So I kind of looked into it because they weren't preparing different, I was preparing them as a group uh, and preparing them all in relatively the same way. And I sat the test myself found out that it, it really wasn't testing what students were asking me to prepare them for. So yeah, I developed the the, the first iteration of the of the bridging courses and whatnot that would become the bedrock of phrases. And then I started the process of of I guess recruiting others to join phrases because yeah, I saw that most of the people out there were people that sort of professed to be able to do everything themselves. And that didn't really sit well with me, even though when I sat it, I scored very well. I knew that there were, were others that could teach the other sections better than, than I could and teaching and doing aren't the same thing. So yeah, I knew there were other inspirational individuals out there that uh, I wanted to get on board and, and I did. And, and that meant that we could inspire students across all of the different sections. And, and that's how phrases grew. So yeah, we, we just sort of grew organically uh, in Melbourne. We then expanded to Perth. Um, we had an ulterior motive to span, expand to Perth. One of the um, the co-founders at that time was uh, engaged to someone in right. Perth, so it, it definitely helped. Definitely helped okay. to to make the the, the trip every other weekend there. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. Then then I think you know around about that time it's when forums and whatnot started to to get a bit more popular and um, Tom had also joined and he had a really big YouTube following and, and we just got more requests to go to the other places. And before you knew it, we, we were standing up teams uh, across the country and, and growing. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. So ever since those humble beginnings, I guess it's been success after success. And now that you've uh, established this business, what were some of the hurdles on the way and how did you overcome them? to achieve what you've achieved today? Yeah, I, I don't think it has been. I mean, probably outwardly, there's this sort of con misconception, I think, right? that everything's <laughs> um, success after success. Um, and, and, you know, before we, we started, we were talking about um, old mate Gouldy. Yeah. So Gouldy was one of the first people that I ran the idea past uh, that, that I, I think I could do something here. Yeah. And uh, just for our viewers, this is Peter Gould, who's uh, the founder of Gould Studio yeah. uh, up in Sydney, and he's been he's been a fantastic resource for Mecca Collective and the entire community. And uh, yeah, definitely shout out to him. But yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Gouldy's really good, and, and you know, us convert bogans, we we are allowed to call <laughs> each other that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I ran it past him, and um, my initial vision of phrases was as an app. So I was pitching him an app for for Gamsat, for this is before Medify, so for UCAT, for all this sort of stuff. And yeah, I, I actually then Gouldy said, hmm, maybe we need to maybe I should launch a marketing course. So 
he has his marketing course each year, but interestingly, the very first sort of test run of that, I was one of the handful of students that was in that class learning about the the basics of marketing and I guess also um, brand development and, and also from the, the Islamic perspective of, you know, how we should sort of remain conscious in that process. Um, and yeah, despite all of my my great intentions that no, we should we should go with tech, blah blah blah. Um, at the end of the day, people people wanted tutoring, um, and you know, it sounds sort of egotistical to say, but people wanted to to learn from me, uh, and you know, at the time as well, a couple of the other tutors that that we had. So yeah, we at the end of the day, we had to give people what they want, and and phrases sort of grew that way. Um, yeah, and, and I think the other thing that was sort of a, a really big um, changer was was one of the other co-founders, Waleed. Like, I also reached a, a nexus point where I realized this was sort of beyond my scope and my skill set. You know, I was an academic. I was, I was a tutor and a teacher. And at that time, I was also working in corporate science. So, like, I, I knew a bit about business management, but I wasn't formally trained or anything like that. Okay. Um, and all of the advice I was getting was, you know, whatever you do, don't don't take on co-founders, don't dilute your your equity in a business. Um, and I don't know, my gut just kept telling me that the only way you really achieve things is through collaboration. And so, yeah, uh, him, uh, Tom, uh, Nosh at the time, um, and uh, Andy Sam at the time. You know, there was a bunch of us that, that were all involved at various different points. Um, I think the the honest reality is we praises wouldn't be as successful in inverted commas today if it wasn't for all of the the people that contributed and ensured that we didn't have some sort of a closed minded groupthink. Instead, it was quite the opposite. We had you know, really robust discussions, different angles, different viewpoints, and different skill sets. So, yeah, for me, it's never been about you know like minded people getting together. It's actually been about um, trusted people getting together that are aligned towards the same goal, but but aren't necessarily going to just agree for the sake of it. So, I think yeah, Fraser's has really benefited from all of those different voices. And yeah, now now it's just the way the way I work uh, is is I I don't do things alone. I always do things you know together in partnership in collaboration because I think that's where the best outcomes lie. Oh, that's some great advice for any any founders, I guess. Being able to bounce off ideas and getting that mirror essentially to uh, yeah. look at yourself in another way uh, is is absolutely essential, and especially in the early stages. Because sometimes in that entrepreneurial journey, and one of our previous guests um, mentioned that uh, Kalisha Bennett, and she said um, the entrepreneurial journey is a lonely one, and not everybody will understand you because. Um, you might have these visions in your head that other people might think, well, there's so many other tutoring places out there. Why do you want to start a tutoring place? And to find some people that yeah. are motivated um, with the same aim is uh, invaluable um, in terms of the feedback they can get. And I guess on that point, were there any mentors or people that guided you along the way that, you thought they've given you some excellent advice or maybe bad advice uh, that you would like to share? Yeah, I think um, I've had, I had a few really good mentors, like whether it's formally or informally. 
Um, I've always been able to go back to my PhD supervisor, um, Tash Polizos at, at Melbourne Uni. He's it's once in a blue moon, but you know he knows if I email and I want to just bounce an idea. He's always he always gives me really good, really raw feedback. Um, a student at one point uh, who I didn't realise who this person was, but he was teaching at the AGSM or is it ASGM? I don't know the the business school up at UNSW, and he was going to do a career change into medicine, and I didn't realise he was this guy that, that taught entrepreneurialism at um at UNSW um but yeah when he when he actually decided uh to not go down that path we just caught up and had a coffee and um he gave me a lot of tips and and I didn't realize who he was but then since then he's he's now in med tech and he's got a, a great startup drop drop biohealth uh Phil Hayson Sinclair and um yeah he's he's always just had this philosophy of like how can I help and he'll give you 15 minutes of his time and he makes it count. And, and it's, it's been something that then I've adopted like with my staff and just with other people. So, uh, I'm, I'm quite happy to donate my time um, and, and just ask that question. So that, that, was, that was really transformative. Um, Waleed was, was always great um, as a co-founder because he, he was, a you know, as your other guest said, like, being being a founder and being a CEO particularly is really really lonely. Um, you've you've kind of got to take on everyone else's problems and and be there be there for them, but but no one's there for you. Yeah. Um, and it, it can be really bad for your mental health too. Whereas I, if, if it wasn't for for the lead, uh, I probably wouldn't have been able to make it through. He was wow. he was incredible. Um, and, and Tom, Tom was too uh, to a very large extent, but but the lead. The lead has a really high EQ for knowing when to check in and just make sure that I'm going to be able to sort of make it through. Right. Um, for bad advice, uh, as terrible as it sounds, like it was usually just friends and family. <laughs> and, and I think that's a pretty, it's a pretty universal thing because they've got this bias yeah. uh, around you because they care for you, um, that they want you to have, you know, the biggest slice of the pie and they want you to be the one that, that is the only successful one in the end, and they don't want anything to jeopardize that. But they're really not looking at it objectively, and they're really not looking at it in long form. Mm. And yeah, to, to be honest, and I think my wife would happily agree with this. Like I, I have a, a stubborn streak to me, and and they they've been great motivators, my family. Because whenever they said I oh, don't or you can't, that's exactly when I'll double down and be like, <laughs> Yeah, well, I will. Yes. So um um, uh, I'm backing myself. Um, appreciate the advice, but uh, I'm I'm gonna zig while you guys think I should zag. I love that. <laughs> and and it's and it's always worked. So um, yeah, I, I think that's actually something that a lot of founders, uh, I think particularly, you know, being a a, a white convert uh, that converted very late in the journey. You know, the 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 Western uh, culture doesn't have that reverence for family, like uh, like what uh, sort of Islam requests us to do, and I think that's a really tough thing for for young Muslim entrepreneurs. Is you know they're getting this advice and they they want to be good sons and they want to be good daughters, and um, it's not always the best advice. In, in fact, a lot of times it's it's very outdated advice. It's advice that doesn't have insight into the modern entrepreneurial space or the tech space or the startup space or whatever, and it's a tough. Um, sort of 
road to navigate when you're trying to be, uh, you know, a good Muslim son or daughter. And at the same time, uh, you're also trying to shoot for the moon like you need to if you want to be a successful entrepreneur. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a tough one to navigate. And um, Sometimes bridging those yeah. ideas with uh, family or friends that you've known personally and they they know you from a very, very... Um, I would say vulnerable level. They might have some expectations of you that might not be true, or they don't know the other side of uh, uh, your your character. For example, if you are a person who is particularly interested in one field, and as you said, um, your parents or your close relatives they they're not really in touch with this new emerging area. For example, the the a yeah. recent one would be crypto or uh, blockchain or the metaverse and they would think well, what is this waste of time but if we track back and we look at the same time as the internet emerged uh, we would probably get the same reactions but obviously the internet is something that we cannot right. live without so it's some it's of course always good to go back to the people you love and the people you trust to get their advice but it's always uh, probably a good reminder from you Scott to back yourself and um, uh Remember what to take and what not to um, <laughs> take on board. <laughs> yeah, particularly when you're at the scale where you've got employees. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you have a, whether you want to call it a fiduciary duty or or a social duty, you know, those people rely on your business's um, success for income. You 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 also have a duty of, of, of responsibility to them. So... Yeah, I think you just have to find a balance between sort of listening um, and 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 at least listening, you know, taking take, taking that info in. But yeah, you you've still got to back yourself, and you you've still got to follow your your north star and and stick with it. Yes, of course, it's good advice, but but yeah, it's it's a tough one. It is. It yeah, is. Yeah, I think it'll always it'll always be tough as long as time exists. Hundred percent. Um. You mentioned that one of your co-founders was there for you, you know, in a, in a time of need where you tried to figure things out. Uh, would you want to share anything about that? What were, you know, the particular challenges that you're facing at the time um, with the business or running the business? Yeah, I think it's not a case of, you know, one specific time. It's more a case of, um, you know, as the, as the business evolved, as my role evolved, I mean, Phrases for a long time was just something that I did on the side of my my day job. In 2018 was when I quitted when I quit my day job and decided to go full time in phrases and really, you know, go all in on on what we were doing. And uh, yeah, I mean, when you're innovating, when you're uh, trying to be dynamic and and do new things, there's there's risk associated with that. There's uh, challenges that you don't foresee and you know you need people there that you have that understanding of, of that, like they can see what you're going through because they are involved with the business but I think have the awareness that you're there's also a human element to it as well particularly you know in in our business in education and in um, and in health uh, we're dealing with people and and we are driven by care um, and it's primarily because we care that it affects us. You know, it, 
if it was banking and finance, maybe it would be different, but I'm sure there are banking and finance people who are also doing things, you know, with their heart on their sleeve because they care. So it's, it was fortunate that I had a co-founder that, that was aware of that. Um, and, and it's good to see, like, nowadays there's a lot of, uh, I know they practice this at Oscar and Heidi, you know, the, the founders get together and kind of have these sessions where they kind of just get everything off their chest and um, it takes care of the mental health and makes sure that the relationship between the founders is is always good uh, or at least always understood. And, um, yeah, you, you really, really need to do that because um, being a founder, uh, especially the more more successful you get, you, you actually are becoming more and more isolated. So mm. really, really important role that um, I think Willie didn't, he wasn't asked to do it. He just, uh, you know, he had the he had the wisdom and the insight and the foresight to to know to do it. Oh, that's very very interesting. Um, on that, you just mentioned that there was a time at which you were in your, um, I guess, in your full time role. You're working. You're um, you were engaged in Fraser's Gamsat on a part time basis, a side as a side gig, I guess, and. What was that moment that really sparked that idea of I'm just going to quit my job now and go hard on this? What was that point where you decided that? Ooh, I'd, I'd been thinking of it for a long while. Like I wasn't happy in my job um, for for a number of reasons. Like I, I liked the company I worked for, but I hit sort of a I think you'd call it a professional plateau. There was a degree of politics uh, and things out of my control that were stopping my progression within that organization. I I saw some other opportunities in sort of commercial science again. But I don't know, I also saw similar politics and similar issues. And at the same time, I was finding helping students reach their goals very rewarding. And, and it was one of the things that, that got me out of bed in the morning. And I found it incredibly hard to get out of bed in the morning for my other job. Uh, so yeah, it, I had a, a pretty horrific, um, personal moment where I lost both of my grandparents oh, wow. and I kind of took, I just took leave from my, my job. I didn't, I didn't consult my bosses. I just said, I'm going on leave. I'll be back when I'm back. Okay. And that was, was almost like me testing whether they valued me. Right. Um, they let me have the leave, but I came back and, um, I remember telling my wife, I said, there's a really good chance I'm going to resign today. And I think, you know, everyone has those those concerns around, you know, stable jobs and all of that. But by this time, I knew that there was no such thing as a stable job. Um, and, yeah, she she was she was more supportive at that point in time of making that leap. And, um, you know, I went in and had a chat with my boss and, um, you know, told him that I, I wanted – a bit more balance in, in my in my job because I traveled sort of say five weeks out of six and it, it takes a toll on you. He just said, basically said, you know, there's a contract and you, you'll do what you need to do. And um, I don't know, I just felt inspired and said, well, in that case, I think um, I think we, we should rip up that contract. And, wow. <laughs> you know, we left it there. And, yeah, I... I, I I set my date as like a couple of days later because I'd already taken most of my leave. And uh, yeah, it's funny. They, they had a kickoff the day after I left and they invited me back for the kickoff. And I, was, I actually said no, like 
I, and that was that was something I really looked forward to in my old job. Mm-hmm. Is I loved the kickoff. I loved the the camaraderie. And it's like no, I've got I've got the next next chapter to to go and do. And um, yeah, Walid and I just had a, a whole day of just planning the future of, of Fraser's, and that was awesome. We it was the first step of 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 the next big step. Um, um, didn't tell <laughs> all my family that that I'd done that. I think everyone <laughs> thought I was still working at my old job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For a couple of months, um, it was really only my wife that knew. Yeah. And um, uh, but yeah, I I should have made that leap sooner because I I was very depressed and sad in that in that job. And yeah, pe- people just I don't know. They they think doing your own thing is is fraught with with danger and that you know full time jobs are safe and all of that. Ah, uh, you you better do, you better be able to get up in the morning. Um, and uh, you know, I still I still want to get up for phrases. I still love That's um, getting up and helping people and and doing what I can and staying up late and doing the same thing as well. Wow, that's that sounds very inspirational, Scott. Like uh, some of the scenes that you described there, I can I was envisioning them in my head, and <laughs> you could make a movie scene out of that <laughs> itself. Like, why don't we rip up the contract itself? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I think I was a, a little more <laughs> a little more nice about it, but um. I think that's, that's that's kind of what I effectively um, wanted to say, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it is what it yeah, is. Wonderful, and I think I think a lot of people will resonate with with that message itself. Um, and the energy that goes into a into a startup is sometimes way more than it goes into your formal full time job, but uh, the effect at the end when you see the results and i can only imagine how refreshing that feels and how much more elevated you feel as a Mm. as a person and um um kind of enjoying those wins uh, itself so i can imagine that's one of the drives uh of why you're still here today absolutely absolutely um big factor it's a different it's a different weight on your shoulders Uh, i think when you're working in the grind full-time the weight is more around you know, paying the bills, your responsibility to your family, all of that sort of stuff, yeah. um, which isn't always super motivating. Um, whereas this way, yeah, there's a lot of responsibility, there's a lot of pressure, but it's exciting and it's um, mm-hmm. uh, it's positive. So you know, there's there's good stress and there's bad stress. I think this is this is the good stress that you like. Awesome. All right. Um, I guess. Now, having spoken about some of the, some of the experiences you had in your in your journey, entrepreneurial journey itself, um, let's talk a little bit about setting up the business itself. So, in the initial stages or at those key junctures where you were ready to expand and innovate, uh, what you were doing, how did you um, raise funding for your ven- uh, for your venture, and um, how did you actually set those strategic plans? Yeah. Uh... We, we've never raised funding. So yeah. Fraser's is a completely bootstrapped business. Um, and, you know, it's built off the back of, I think, a lot of social equity. Uh, and that's not just me. That's that's the other co-founders. Even a lot of our tutors as well will, you know, they're really passionate about what they do and, and helping people. They'll, They'll pull the extra hours. They'll do the extra things that we need to do. But particularly in the early days, it was just literally, you know, not paying ourselves. Uh, 
we we knew where it could we, we in fact we didn't even know like we, we we had a feeling of where it could go and um we were kind of riding a vibe uh to try and get there and we all enjoyed each other's company on that journey uh we enjoyed helping the people and and them you know making us feel like we made a difference so yeah we just we just pushed on i'd say strategically we did very minimal analysis in the early days about unlocking opportunities and whatnot it was again it was more just like follow your gut make it work uh, and i think that's one of the good things when you're, you're starting off very early in business you you have that ability to just invest your time as the main resource and and give it a shot to make it work uh that's that's, I think, how a lot of startups, you know, eventually start. So now it's more a case of, you know, we've got a big staff, uh, we've got locations and whatnot. Yeah, we, we do need to plan and we, we do need to think very wisely because, you know, we, we only have a very, very limited budget on, on what we can use to innovate uh, and to launch new things and to get new ideas off the ground. We're also fortunate enough now, though, that having that bigger staff and, and having a lot of people that are, I think, similarly inspired and at early stages of their journey within phrases, they they come to us now with ideas like, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And that that that's great. It fast tracks the innovation process. They're often then willing as well to sort of invest some of their own time. Uh, and, you know, we usually reward that in the other direction as well and, um, you know, make the Fraser's family a bigger family. Fantastic. And in terms of that innovation journey, um, you're also involved with another startup, um, which is Oscar and um, including Heidi Health. Um, how yep. was that journey uh, and getting into those into those spheres, I guess? Yeah. So for, for our viewers, um, could you explain what Oscar and Heidi Health are and then tell us a little bit about your journey within them. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Oscar is where it started and uh, it's the, the brainchild of, of Tom and, and one of our other tutors from back in the day, Clarence. And they, they wanted to come up with a, an AI, um, natural language processing sort of bot that could help students train to take histories better uh, because they were very passionate about the issue of incorrect diagnosis and misdiagnosis. So they they looked at it from the education perspective and said, well, we can we can build this amazing training tool where, you know, because a lot of students or medical students when they're in the hospital, they're often just watching on. They're not actually actively engaged in in the process of developing their clinical skills. You can still do that. And of course there's a lot of benefit there to be had. Uh, learning off people that are much more experienced and, and have some wisdom to offer. But practicing it with friends, practicing it with your, your loved ones doesn't sort of mimic that scenario as well. So that's where Oscar came out of. And, uh, yeah, when Tom came to us with that idea and that he, he really wanted to pursue it, you know, I think it's fair to say that we incubated it through you know, the first phase and, and we, we funded it to, to get it to a level where it just became increasingly apparent that you know there was a really, really awesome blue sky for Oscar, but we also needed to be fair and reasonable to to, to Tom and 
and and to the ambitions of Oscar that that probably was was above and beyond the scope of the Blue Sky phrases. So it was spun out and it was it was funded through venture capital, which was led by Blackbird and mm-hmm. um, a couple of other angel investors and what have you. And and that was done just over twelve months ago. It took a, mm-hmm. it took a while to to actually spin out. That was mm-hmm. that was a whole learning experience for all of us. But um, yeah, that that spun out and. What's just been amazing to watch, uh, of course, is you know really watch Tom go from yeah he was a he was a leader here at Fraser's, and 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 very much someone that that people look to for leadership. But now he's a CEO, and now he's really like blossomed. Um, will leads in his element uh, strategically there at the interface of you know tech and um, strategy and uh, yeah it's it's just it's all of his skills being tested and coming to the fore. So it's it's really bringing out the best in him. And, yeah, now they've, they've pivoted. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really tough time for, for startups and for tech right now. And, you know, I think he- Heidi was probably a few years away at the start and, and it's probably also called Oscar. But, uh, yeah, Heidi's been brought forward and, and Heidi actually can um, not only assist doctors by being a, um, a conduit and, and something that assists them in ensuring that diagnosis is, is accurate by, by listening in the background and, and, you know, giving its diagnosis to make sure that the, the doctor doesn't stuff up. But it's now also solving a lot of the issues that we're facing with the, the GP crisis, that um, it's, it's not profitable for GPs to operate on bulk billing anymore. So, so Heidi also takes a lot of the different uh, incentive schemes and initiatives and different ways that you can engage a patient. So, you know, sometimes we just need a prescription. Well, you can go onto your Heidi app and Heidi will connect you to the appropriate telehealth um, and do that. The doctors still get paid, but it also means that the GPs can, rather than being limited to 15 minutes with patient, they can now do like a really thorough, um, you know, consult with with their patients, which I think if you talk to GPs, that's what they want to do. That's why they're passionate about being a GP. They, they want to get to know their patients and, and really help them. But the current structure that the Medicare has set up does not incentivize that. Mm-hmm. It incentivizes the least amount of time possible. Mm-hmm. So Heidi Heidi's like the, the happy medium where it uh, allows doctors to not waste time on things that, that shouldn't require a lot of time. At the same time, they can spend time where they should spend time. Plus, it, it, it taps into all of the, the great um, AI and, and natural language processing that, that Oscar came up with so that you're also contributing to uh, ensuring that diagnoses are not missed and that, that patients are very well cared for. I guess you can see your journey at Fraser's uh, Medical overall and I guess Walid's and Tom's itself as well in, in nurturing them to become those kind of leaders, I guess. And um uh, opening those pathways and it's pretty amazing to see that you know you you guys went from leading a tuition platform for students going on to build something that is going to hopefully impact the medical profession overall and how it interacts with its patients uh, that's pretty impressive and I'm going to be watching this space because I think that's not just the only idea that is in your mind and I think there's more more to come <laughs> Yeah, we, we do have a few other things that we're we're working on. And I think that's as well where we're different to other just standard tutoring companies is that that's all they want to do. 
my wife always used to say to me, you know, aren't the lecture slides done? Aren't you done? It's like, no, nah, we'll, and I think now I can openly say like, we will never be done. We will never rest. There's always something we can do better. There's always other things you can do. But the, the lesson from Oscar and Heidi is really, uh, you know, there's that sort of famous quote. I think it's Richard Branson that, you know, a good leader makes other leaders. Mm. Um, and uh, the thing that, you know, it's tough to do is like, you know, you need to let those birds leave the nest. So um, if you really have made good leaders and, and, and great um, great other little businesses in and of their own right, you've, you've got to help them to be all they can be. And that was a, that was very much a, a tough situation for me to be in at the first time was, you know, um, do you, do you say, no, no, all of this has to stay in house. We incubated this blah, blah, blah. And, and again, a, a lot of the, the bad advice was, yeah, you, 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 you know, you own this, you fund this, but no, actually, if you, if it, if it's to realize its potential, you need to let it go. And, you know, yes, you have, you still have a percentage, but <laughs> this is now something that the, the, the VC people, they'll, they'll help it reach its heights. And um, you also need to give those leaders in their own right, their opportunity to, to do that. So hopefully, yeah, I mean, it was a big, it was a big learning experience, but hopefully it's not the last. And, and, you know, we want people to know that if you've got, you know, we, we tell our students, our tutors, if you've got ideas, Fraser's is actually the place to incubate them. I love that. You could. You should make a new. You could um, incubate it. Fraser's um, incubator as part of that whole. Uh, uh, funny you should mention that. Funny you oh, should mention okay. that. So watch this right. space. Watch this space. It's coming. I love it's coming. that. I love that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But we, we, we don't want people losing their ideas to, to universities just to win some $10,000 check, yeah. uh, you know. If you have a great idea, real incubators will want nothing. They'll just want the opportunity to help you uh, get to where you want to go. And, and maybe you cut them in a little bit. Maybe you don't. Maybe it was just a, a great networking experience of people that could get you to that next level. So, yeah, we, we see ourselves as being able to play a critical role there because the, the med tech space is being held up and, and slowed down by by big institutions and uh, hopefully there'll be other organizations as well that will take the lead from Fraser's in, in going to that, that helping those people reach all of their potential that they can reach. Thank you so much, Scott. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Um, and I wish we could go on for longer than this, but for the sake of time and as a sort of parting advice for our listeners and viewers, I guess, what is the one thing that you wish you knew before you started your business journey and one thing that you would pass on to every, every founder and, um, as a last question? Yeah, it's not really one thing, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's more like a combination of, of two things is trust your gut, your gut will always uh, lead you in the right direction. At the same time, be open to making mistakes, learning from them, and 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 pivoting to to where the where the truth is. Um, don't don't say, oh, well, my gut is is always right in totality. Mm -hmm. It can. There's no element of wrong. No, no, your your gut's leading you, um, and hopefully you're you're guided by all the right intentions and principles and whatnot. But 
you you know you could still be slightly wrong um and so yeah trust your gut and um at the same time be be willing to to embrace mistakes as learnings and um use them as as something to continue forward the best piece of business advice are also applicable to life and i guess even yeah. in life decisions even um when you're going through your journey that not only involves business but your family your um, studies your career i guess you should definitely trust your gut and um that's one excellent piece of advice but an even better piece of advice is learn from your mistakes and be willing to pivot i think that's 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 really really helpful because sometimes a really courageous thing is admitting to it and taking ownership of it and making a change and i think that's where the biggest growth is in terms of character generally well yeah. scott thank you so much for your time today um it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and would love to have you back on board to discuss any other future uh projects that you have going including what you've uh, mentioned here as an exclusive mecca collective <laughs> interview um yeah uh, uh, potential you got an exclusive there you go <laughs> there you go yeah um but thank you so much and um, I really, really appreciate your, your time that you've invested today. No, absolute pleasure, Navan. Thank you so much for, for having me and um, yeah, to make a collective for, for uh, giving me the opportunity to chat with you. Awesome. And um, thank you all for tuning in today to learn more about Dr. Scott Fraser's journey with uh, Fraser's Medical and uh, Oscar slash Heidi Health as well. And if you'd like to stay up to date with the happenings at Mecca Collective and support this initiative, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us across our social media accounts. And until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Take care. Bye.